Alright, so I want to talk about spirituality 101, or basics, some basics of spirituality. Because one of the things that I get asked a lot, and one of the things I think that's happened, certainly that I've experienced, was uh, going through this transformation and this transition and this period of, of deconstructing different beliefs that I held on to for many decades and believed so strongly, and then you can find yourself not knowing where to land, Right? And so I want to share with you my thoughts, my ideas that come from scripture, that come from meditation, but also come from listening to a number of different sources. Now, we're going to use scripture in a few minutes to look at this, but uh, I also want to just make you aware that one of the things that I've done was expand my mind and open up. Uh, You know, it still amazes me that there are people out there within Christian circles that uh, won't read anything that's not written by a Christian author and doesn't agree with what they already believe. (laughs) Like, how are you supposed to grow and expand if you do that? (laughs) Right? And, And I just refuse to live in that kind of an intellectual ghetto. And it's just funny because people say, oh, well, you, you got too intellectual or whatever. Like, that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, in what endeavor of life, what field? I mean, if you were going to go get heart surgery or something, or uh, would you be upset because the person de- who developed the heart surgery was too intellectual? <laughs> I mean, what kind of people tell you not to think? <laughs> I mean, that ought to let you know they're picking your pocket right there. <laughs> right? But so here's an interesting thing. So there have been a number of, of, of research things conducted from people who have near-death experiences uh, from various different cultures. I mean, there are thousands of research papers written on that. So that's evidentiary. You know what I'm saying? There's evidence there. The other thing that's very interesting was there's a number of psychiatrists, well-educated people, doctors, right? Doctors who went on and got a specialty in psychiatry. So they went a few more years to school after like your family doctor did, right? So pretty smart people, pretty well-educated people who uh, started treating patients who had different things. You can read one. There's a Dr. Brian Weiss, MD, who's written a book called Many Lives, Many Masters. And he talks about treating a woman who uh, had a phobia of the water and could not find any trauma in her life that would cause that her to have that phobia and took her through hypnosis. Now, it is hypnosis. Uh, but through hypnosis, she went back and in a previous life, she had drowned or whatever. And so they worked out in hypnosis what had happened to her, what she believed had happened to her in her previous life, and her fear of the water went away. And then he has several case studies like that. Uh, and so, again, it's hypnosis. It's not verifiable. Some of those experiences where people say, I had a past life, and they go and they check out the facts. The facts don't check out. One of the most famous ones is Bridie Murphy. How many of you ever heard about Bridie Murphy? If you haven't, um, she was, uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, a big deal back in the 20th century sometime. But it was, <clears throat> the reason I'm bringing up Bridie Murphy <clears throat> was it was right here in Pueblo, Colorado. So one of the things that put Pueblo on the map. So, But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But when one of the things that these people also say under a state of hypnosis is that they, uh, in between lives, contacted these, uh, you know, God and, and angels and things like this, and they were, they were given information about spiritual dynamics, about metaphysics, about things like that, and about how God and humanity and all of that works together. 
And when you compare their stories across the board from people who had near-death experiences to people who were hypnotized and said they remember their past lives and the interim time that was there, and then also you have people who are channeling, contacting higher entities that claim to come from higher realms, and they are also giving information. Now, we don't know where all this information is coming from. I know my fundamentalist friends will say, oh, my God, he's giving himself over to demons, and you need to go watch the video we did on who is Satan. But anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's the, my point is that there is consistency across the board about what they say about certain spiritual laws of metaphysics and about God and about the way we work and operate as human beings. And when you find that consistency coming from so many different sources and you can find it in the scriptures, that, you know, just, just seems to me you might be like, well, hey, something's up. So I just want you to say that the things that I'm sharing are not just my ideas or something that I just came up with or so, oh, you know, because I could write a fiction thing and try to pass it off as revelation. Okay. Are you breathing? So, so what I'm trying to do is give some, some basic fundamentals of metaphysics and spirituality. Is that okay? Alright, so let's start in the book of Deuteronomy. We're gonna do Deuteronomy chapter 4 and John chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Everybody say with me, no form. Okay, you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you out of the fire uh, at Horeb. Lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves an image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female. Then he goes on the likeness of any animal that is on the earth or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air. Anyway, he goes on saying, don't when when you when you met with God, God had no form. There was fire, which is energy. Everybody say with me energy, right? But God himself had no form. And then he says, take heed to yourself that you don't give a form to that which has no form, not even in the image of male or female. Which is one of the biggest reasons that Jews reject Christianity, because in Christianity we have deified Jesus and given God male forms as father and son. Right? Come with me to John chapter 4. Verse seven it says, "A woman of Samaria came near to the came. I'm sorry. The woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink.' For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, "'How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans.' And Jesus answered and said to her, "'If you knew the gift of God,' And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us a well and drank from it himself as well as his son and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. 
And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said, Go call your husband and come here. And she said, uh, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You said, Well, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And this you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Watch this. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. For God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, I want you to notice what, oh, and, and if you keep reading, if you keep reading in the passage, I, I forgot, I qu- quit too soon. It says that she left her water pot at the well. She left her water pot at the well and went back into Samaria and began to tell the Samaritans about her encounter with the Lord. So I want to draw the distinction, a fundamental distinction, this is absolutely essential, between form and essence. Water has no form, basically. But it will take on the form of the container that it's given, right? Fire is energy, and, and the scriptures say when you saw the God speaking to you as an energetic presence, as light and energy, he said, be careful that you don't give it any form, not even male or female. Hmm. Are you breathing? And then Jesus says, here's the dilemma, the, the woman says, which, which temple, which worship system, which temple, you could say it this way, which religion is correct? Which form of worship is right? Which mountain, which temple, which system is the correct one? And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. The hour is coming and now is when it's not going to be about the form or the system, but the true worshipers are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit. And those who worship Him or serve Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's who the Father is seeking. So in other words, the gospel message and what Jesus is saying is meant to draw us away from forms. It's meant to draw us away from forms because forms lead to idolatry. See, whatever image or form that I give to God becomes my idol. Now, don't think of it in in maybe the way you traditionally think about it. Think about it in this way. Whatever form you give to God causes you to misunderstand the true nature of God and the true nature of reality and causes you to limit God. So if you make God male, you're not able to recognize that there are feminine energies that exist because of God and you don't put them on equal footing. If you make God a woman, you negate the masculine. If you make God a man, you make him too much like you. Which is why most the, the God that most people serve is a glorified impression of their own ego. In other words, the, the God that's up there that they've made in their own image acts just like they do, only on a larger scale. 
You love your children, that God loves his kids only more. You don't like your enemies so much, that God up there doesn't like his either. He's going to come beat them down in Armageddon in a bloodbath. It's what you'd like to do, but you don't have the power to do, right? You have wisdom, God has more wisdom. You have power, God has more power. But if you think about it, for most people, the God that you serve acts just like you. So when you make God in the image of a person, you automatically project human characteristics. That God gets jealous, that God gets angry, that God gets whatever. And Jesus is trying to draw you away from that. Because all idolatry does then is it causes you to misrepresent to yourself that which is divine, which causes you to live in an imaginary world rather than in the world of reality. The world of your own projection. Let me let me give you an illustration of how this works. We just came out of Halloween, right? So I was listening to a thing on the radio. It got me thinking. There was a... They were doing stories like, you know, silly, I don't know, I don't even remember what the content was, but you're supposed to call in, right? Radio show. So this lady calls into the radio show and a Halloween memory or something, or a story that she heard, and she heard a story about a, a parents who allowed their six-year-old to watch the movie Chucky. Now, for those of you that don't know what Chucky is, Chucky is a little, I never saw it, but I know the idea is a little, what, puppet, right? That A little doll that comes to life and... Murders and maims and whatever, right? Like I said, I never saw the movie. But anyway, they let their six-year-old watch this. And lo and behold, the six-year-old goes to bed that night, and there's shadows and there's noises, and so now Chucky is in the closet. So the six-year-old comes running into bed with mom and dad and sleeps with mom and dad for three weeks or three months or something like that. So morals to the story, you know, don't don't let your six-year-old watch Chucky. But now watch what happens. A doll is something that a child normally wants to play with. That a child normally animates, gives it the name and animates it, and, but it's, it's fuzz, warm and fuzzy and all this stuff. And this child, prior to watching the movie Chucky, had been sleeping in their own bedroom, seeing the same shadows, hearing the same noises every night, and thinking nothing of it. But the moment that child watched the movie, what happened? The energy of fear... Because the intention of the creators was to use this doll and redefine it, not as something fun and enjoyable and cuddly, but to redefine it as something terrible, to redefine it as something scary, and the intention and the energy put into the film through the acting and the script and, the, and all that stuff, all this energy and money goes into this film, and then that energy is transferred to that child who now projects goes to bed and projects onto the doll. Oh no, the doll's scary now, not something lovable. Projects the fear out here. I probably heard the same noises every night she went to bed, didn't think anything of it, but now, because she's in a state of fear, she's projecting there's something in the closet. There's something to be afraid of. Heard another story at the same time about another mom, only this, this daughter was 18. 18 years old, never seen the movie The Shining. Watched the movie The Shining. Went to bed in her normal bed. Got scared to death that night and couldn't sleep in her bed. What what, what happened? She's 18. She's been going to bed before. What happened? Same thing. Energy. So it's not just children. Here's my point. It's not just children that do that. We cannot help but project our subjective reality onto the template of our experience. 
So when we make God a man, when we give God certain characteristics, we cannot help but project but it, but what the scriptures are telling us here, what Jesus is saying and what Moses is saying, the two, the two main guys in the, in the whole thing, Moses is saying, don't make it in the form of a man or a woman. And Jesus is saying, neither on this temple or that temple, God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. <laughs> right? They're both telling us, when you create those forms, you project it onto God and now you're relating to something that's just as imaginary as Chucky. Just as imaginary as the boogeyman in the closet. But not Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is real. (laughs) Do do you see it? And so a lot of what what needs to happen for us, if we're going to be able to... uh, uh, like, Like the first principle is this. The world of forms is the world of deception. The world of form is the world of illusion. Because forms shift and change. But they are very necessary. You, 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 you cannot relate or operate as a human being in this three-dimensional world on this plane of reality and existence without form. But if you confuse the form with the thing itself, then you have a problem. Does that make sense? Which is why symbolically the woman leaves her water pot at the well, because what she's doing, it's symbolic of the fact that she received what Jesus said and abandoned form. Watch this, watch this. And Jesus said, I will give you a well to drink from that's within you that is springing up into everlasting life, which means she also dropped the the, the form of the externals. In other words, I'm not going to drink from a well that's out there anymore. I'm not going to find God in a temple out there anymore. I'm going to drink from a well that's within me, and I'm going to find God within me, and so therefore I don't need the forms anymore, so I can forsake the forms, because I'm leaving that world to connect to the reality of the essence. Are you breathing? Jesus said this later on in John chapter 7. He says, do not judge by mere appearances, but judge rightly. What does that tell you? If you judge by appearances, you're going to be misled. So the first thing you have to understand is this world of shifting images and form and everything is part of the illusion that deceives us and leads us astray. And so while we must navigate that reality, we must never confuse that reality with reality. (laughs) Or let me say it this way. While we must navigate that dimension, we must never confuse the forms with the thing itself. Alright? So let's see if we can make sense of this. So if God is spirit, and we know that spirit created all matter. Because everything that is came out of God. Everything in Hebrews chapter 11 we're told that is seen was made of something that is not seen. Was made of some invisible substance. And we're also told that God formed worlds, not just one world. Worlds. Everybody say worlds. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which were made... Things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so in the Jewish paradigm today, there is at least four worlds in creation. There there are different layers and dimensions of reality, not just this 3D world. And But everything is energy. Everything comes out of one source. Everything comes out of God. And spirit is that source. 
You could say it this way, matter, materialism, is the body of God. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's pantheism to say God is in everything, but no, it's not pantheism to say God is in everything because we're also saying God is also transcendent. That all things that are contain God, but God contains all things. So therefore, you are in fact, you come from the source. You come from spirit. You had an existence in spirit, in the mind of God, before anything material was created. And the energy that you are is actually energy from source who is God, who is the Logos, who is the Word, who is the Spirit, who created all things. (laughs) So you are part of all things energetically. Now you have a form, you have a body that, guess what, it's changing. If you don't believe me, find a picture of you from 10, 15 years ago and look in the mirror. Find a picture of you as a child and look in the mirror. Even your ideas and opinions and beliefs are changing, or at least they should be. If they're not changing, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're not living. You're just you're just flowing through existence. And so even your ideas and your opinions and your beliefs, those are all in the world of form. Because they shift and they change. Does that make sense to you? But the, but the point of consciousness that you are, the, the part of you that's experienced all the different versions of you. Oh. Alright, this ought to be easy for you, because you guys have watched me undergo tremendous change in the last couple of years, no? Am I the same person I was, for those of you that have been around? Am I preaching the same stuff? Am I believing the same stuff? Hell no, somebody said. So let me ask you this question. Am I the same person? Yes. I just have a different form. So you confused the form. You just did it. See how easy it is to get tricked by that? Here's my point. There is a point of consciousness, a point of awareness inside of me that has experienced all the different versions of me. That is absolute and unchanging. That experienced me when I believed this and was doing these things and experienced me now that I believe something totally different and doing these things. And you're the same way. There's a point of consciousness that is who you are, that is your essence. That is the divine spark that comes from God who has merely worn as masks and costumes all the different versions of your beliefs, your thoughts, your opinions, your actions, your feelings and your behaviors. All of that belongs in the world of form. And that's what, and and so to the first step, remember this is spirituality basics, the first step is to unplug and stop being deceived by the world of form as though it is real and unchanging. But to understand, even what Paul says, we fix our eyes on things that are uh, unseen, not on things that are seen, because the things that are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal. If they are temporal, they are shifting and changing. 
And that's why we don't have stability in our lives. And that's why we can't manifest stuff. And that's why we're crying out to God, hoping that if we say the right prayer in the right way and work the right magic formula, somehow God's going to come in and magically transform everything in our life. And finally, we will have arrived. And so we keep praying, thinking it's going to change things, denying to ourselves that anything that we prayed for has actually occurred. (laughs) Once in a while, our prayers get answered, and I'm going to tell you right now, a dead clock is right twice a day. A dead clock is right twice a day. And even a blind squirrel comes along a nut every once in a while. Are you breathing? So, disconnecting from the world of form then, is to understand that there is a realm of spirit and energy and information that can take on different forms that is also from God as source. And God is also inhabiting and dwelling within. So that you are not separate from anything. People say, well, do I pray to a God that is other than me? (sighs) That's like one of your organs saying, can I exist outside the body? Obviously, you are not the totality of all that is. I mean, if somebody has to tell you that, dear Lord, we are confused. So obviously... The fullness of who God is and the fullness of all that is is bigger than who you are but not separate from who you are. You are integrated into the larger system of spirit and energy and consciousness. And you are transforming all the time. Transforming. But your essence... Your spiritual essence remains divine and eternal. Now the key is, this is what Jesus said. He said, the well, what was the well that he was going to give her? It was to unlock the divine essence within her so that it could spring up into not just quantity of life, but quality of life. Divine life. Satisfying life fully satisfying, abundant, dynamic, powerful, enjoyable life coming from the source who is God, who is also you. That's why it's within you because you're an extension of that source energy. Can you see that? And so the key then is to be able to tap into that source energy that is within you and allow it to flow out from you so that you can begin to create the kind of life that you want to create. So you can begin to attract the kind of synchronicities and outcomes that you want to attract. But you can't do any of it as long as you're locked and trapped into the world of form, thinking the world of form that you are meant to transform and play with and manipulate is real and static and immovable and unchangeable and invincible to the influence of what's coming from within you. Here's what I mean by that. As as divine beings, as the offspring of God, as extensions of source, we are in the world of form to learn how to play with it in order to transform it, in order to manipulate it, in order to change water into wine, 
in order to change ashes into beauty, in order to change sadness into the oil of joy, in order to take hardship and turn it into paradise, in order to be able to go, as the Bible says, through the valley of Baca, which means weeping, and make it a place of pools and springs. But you cannot transform the world of form if you're lost in the world of form and stuck in the world of form. You have to literally transcend it, which means you have to disconnect from it. So when you disconnect from this place of worship and this religious system and this belief system and this form and that form, you disconnect from it, you say, none of it's real. All of it's here for me to play and learn how to be God over. That's what God did with Adam. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. And so whatever the animals were, God brought to him and whatever Adam called them, that's what they became. It's right there in the very beginning. The reason for your incarnation is to learn how to name the world of form in which you're living and understand that it will conform to the name that you give it. But only when you come at it as the image of God. Only when you come at it as a God. Only when you come at it as divine. Oh my God, He's saying that we are God. Yep, horses give birth to horses. Cows give birth to cows. Sheep give birth to sheep. And God gives birth to gods. See, if I say you're a son or a daughter of God, you want to get all sentimental and emotional on me. And go sit on Papa's lap. So he can coddle you. But the purpose of being a reproduction, a son or a daughter of God, is to be a reproduction of God. What does that mean? To act like God. And until you can think of yourself as a God, you're not going to have any power to transform the world of form. So then energy, God's spirit, can take on whatever form you need it to be. But if you understand, it's the energy that you're looking for, not the form. Well, I have hurts and I, and I didn't have a good daddy and I need, I need that. Well, then you need the energy of a strong father or a loving father. So that energy can come to you, but that doesn't, don't confuse God as father. Anybody ever see The Shack? Fun damn mentalists got all upset at the movie The Shack because God, I mean, racist fun damn mentalists got upset because God showed up as a black woman. Oh my God. But as you, as you immerse yourself in the story, what you discover is, is that God is coming to the man in the form that best holds the energy that he needs for his healing. And later comes as a man, because as a man, it's the form that's holding the energy that he needs for his growth. And his, watch this, transformation. So God can become the form of whatever energy you need for your own growth and deification and apotheosis. means to become godlike for the uninitiated. <laughs> Does that make sense? So if, if you can quit, um, the, here's the other thing you have to disconnect from. There's some law book, God has some law book somewhere, 
that is the absolute right and wrong for every civilization, every human being, and every circumstance throughout the entire multiverse. Think about that one. Can you not see that to a large degree the Christian version of God is merely the transference and projection of worldly governments? And it was worldly governments that were primarily responsible for the advancing of Christianity. Uh Uh-oh. Think about it. I mean, that God looks an awful lot like the Roman Empire. Our God today looks an awful lot like the American judicial system with courtrooms and cases and judges. And if you follow the law that's absolute for everybody, you're blessed. And if you disobey the law that's absolute for everybody, you're cursed. That means if there is life on other planets, they have to look exactly like you. If there are other existences and other realms, it has to look exactly like you. The funny thing is, creation, which we know came directly out of God with no human projection, doesn't look anything like that. I heard, I don't remember how the subject came up, but somebody was talking about pornography and just, you know, things that are natural and unnatural. And they said, you know, I grew up on the farm. And animals are just, you know, procreating, but you never see a group of animals gather around and be like, oh, wow. Oh my God, look at that. (laughs) Like human beings are the only ones that do that. Well, let's record that. Let's film that and watch that again. Like what the heck is the matter with us? Like, but do you get it? So like there's an intrinsic order. So, so if, if God has certain absolutes, how come it doesn't apply to the dogs? And the cows? And the bees? Hmm. Do you get it? So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be able to disconnect from this idea, which allows you to stop judging things Because here's what we do. We take a world of form, watch this, and we try to apply absolutes, which, watch this, anchors, at least in our minds, the world of form to make it unchangeable and unmalleable, which then short-circuits our ability to magically transform our reality. Does that make sense to you? But if you understand that everything is energy... And you don't judge it as right or wrong. You just judge it as containing different characteristics. Then you can interact energetically with things. And you have so much more power to transform. Here's what I mean. Anybody ever been going along having a good time? And somebody comes at you or someone else with the energy of aggression. And have you noticed how it shifts the entire experience for you? Right? You're just going along peacefully, having a good time, and then here comes Mr. Nasty. 
right? And Mr. Nasty spews out the energy of aggression, right? In the context of your nice, peaceful evening. And what happens? Just like threw up all over it, right? You can feel that energy. This is what I'm talking about, right? And so we'll say that energy is bad. Oh, that's dark energy. Oh, that's bad energy. Oh. Well, let a robber come into your house. Let an intruder come in your house and call a police officer and let the police officer walk in there without any aggression, without any strength, without disrupting the environment. Oh, now all of a sudden it's a good, it's a good thing. Oh man, we want that energy now. I crack up, I crack up. Like, like, I just, I, I, I just love it. You know, these people that are pacifists that are just, you know, they're so, they're so emasculated by the church that, you know, and Jesus turned the other cheek and all that stuff and, and, and so they're just nonviolent to the hilt. You know, an intruder comes into their house that they're against guns, they're against whatever. An intruder comes into their house, well, guess who they call? Now watch this. Guess who they call? Because this is one of the answers. You know, who do they call? They call the police. So I am too holy to hurt somebody with a gun or do anything aggressive to somebody. That is such an evil thing. But I'm not so holy that I won't call and perpetrate that evil on someone else and make them guilty for it. Make them stand before God for it on my behalf to keep me safe. Yeah, it just can't be me, because, you know, I mean, if you're just hiding, you're, you're just a wimp, you're a sissy, you, you have judged that strength as, as wrong and evil, and you're hiding like a coward behind someone else, may, per, making them perpetrate the evil that you're afraid to perpetrate. Because you were held too much as a child. Sorry. What, what got into me right there? I don't even know. That's aggressive. I was talking about aggression. But do you see what I'm saying? It's the same energy. So why is it bad in one sense, but good in the other sense? It's just because of how it affected your energy in that moment. It's not inherently, intrinsically evil. It's just whether or not it's an energy that's helpful to you in that moment or hurtful to you in that moment. Do you, do you get it? Aggression will keep you alive and more. <sighs> Aggression will help you set boundaries. Aggression will keep you alive. Is that a bad thing? Then why do we have to be, you know, like it just drives me nuts. Like I crack up, but, you know, because this is part of our shadow self and I'm, I'm done, but this is part of our shadow self that we cut off. Can't be aggressive. Can't get angry, especially you ladies. Like if, if men can't cry, you ladies cannot really get angry and express it because if you do, we know you're all the B word. Am I wrong? So society cuts off your masculine energy by shaming you if you express it. It's just already out there. So you have to come up with all these little passive-aggressive ways to, to handle and manage stuff. And all this little, little, and I don't blame you. 
going around behind people's back and all this weird stuff that some of you do. Guys don't do that. Am I right, guys? We, 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 I mean, any guy that's honest, that's worked with women, knows guys do not handle their conflicts or their situations in the same way. And we look at that and we think, my God, why don't they just go slug it out? Could you imagine if they just went and slugged it out? Like you're allowed to slug it out because it's gender appropriate for you. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, the principal and one of the teachers got in a fist fight. They both kept their jobs. Can you imagine that? Imagine that happening today. My God, that'd be all over Fox News and CNN and somebody be in prison and the whole, we have the whole country in therapy. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm good with therapy, but I'm, I'm just saying. Like a lot of that just comes because we judge energies as being wrong and evil and bad. When there is no energy that is wrong or evil or bad, they're all resources. The question is, is it the right resource that's working for you in the context in which you're using it? Or is it a resource that's working against you in the context that you're using it? Let me give you another example. How many of you are, do we have any warriors here? Like, I'll raise both my hands. Okay, my name is Aaron, and I am a warrior. Now, let me tell you something. The better you are at worrying, watch this, the better you are at worrying, the better you are at truly representing to yourself in your imagination a future that has not happened yet. I mean, it is so real. It's so alive. Your child is 15 minutes late and you've already had the funeral. You've already had the sheriff show up. You've already been to the accident. You've already identified the body. You've already grieved and you've already had the funeral. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you're able to take an unseen reality, an unseen future, and represent it to yourself in such a way that you access the feeling as though that future has already happened. Isn't that what every teacher on the law of attraction tells you to do? Imagine a future that you want, that you have not experienced yet. Make it present as though it's already happened until you can feel like it's already happened and hold it and it will happen. Jesus said it this way, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So if you're a champion warrior, you actually have all the gifting, ability, and talent in the world. You are a natural at faith. You are a natural at attracting good things into your life. The problem is you're using all those skills in the wrong direction with the wrong energy to create futures for yourself that are absolute nightmares and terrors. <laughs> so what if you took that same talent and instead of creating these terrible nightmares, you started creating dreams for yourself. You start you started having more than one home. You, you started having a beach home. You started resting on, on the beach in front of the ocean. You, you started living the life that you always wanted to live. And, and you were able to imagine that and imagine that and imagine that until it was present to you and you felt it. My God! You would be a champion at this stuff. So what you think is a curse is actually your gift. The ability to go out in the future, access a future that hasn't happened yet, bring it into the present until you feel like it happened. And some of us do it every freaking day. 
Right? And you say, well, yeah, well, then how come everything I worry about doesn't happen? Because you don't bring the energy of your intention into it. See, again, Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So without intention, you're creating a womb that has no seed. Which is why you don't attract all the bad things that happen into your life. That's why it's never the thing you worry about that gets you anyway. It's always the thing you never saw coming that comes up and bites you in the butt, isn't it? (laughs) So, I mean, what's the point, right? Does this, does this help you? So to narrow this down in a nutshell, listen, everything comes from God that is source. Everything is energy. You also come from God who is source. You also are energy. And you are here to learn how to work with energy to manipulate the world of form. But in order to do that, you cannot get lost in thinking that the world of form is reality. The world of form is illusion. So the first step is to realize the map is not the territory. And it's amazing to me. I'm really not teaching anything different than what I've taught for years. I'm just using different verbiage to express it. And people don't like the verbiage because why? Because they think the word is the thing itself. If I were to say God is fire... Biblically minded people be okay, but if I were to say fire is energy and therefore God is energy, people go, oh my God, that's, that's new age mumbo jumbo. Well, we are in a new age. <laughs> Let's stand up and pray. That help you today? Hopefully that gave you a little bit, some place to land. We'll pick up on this and we'll do a series. Spiritual basics. Spirituality 101. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Holy Spirit, we just invite and welcome your presence to just saturate us and flow through us. Father, I ask that by the power of your Spirit, you'll remove the obstacles and the barriers that we have and that you will help us because you are the Spirit of truth, that you will help us to disconnect from the deception of the world of forms and help us to be led and guided into that place where we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.